1: Welcome Browns backers, I'm Chuck Campisi joined by Tony Dick and this is Believe in the Browns. Just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the grounds crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, (laughs) He rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last 9 years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl,
2: anybody? 37.
1: 37. Uh, And between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Today, we're resurrecting the Browns' season as they beat the 500 leveling bills. As I stated last podcast, the Bills are the NFL Mendoza line, beating the bad teams, losing to the good teams. So Tony, does
2: this mean the Browns are a good team? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 they they could be a good team. I mean, I guess that's if this if this game if the game against Buffalo this past weekend told us anything, it, it, it told us that it, we're, we're definitely not losing for a lack of talent. Like, we have talent on the field. The talent, when given the opportunity to win the game, came through and won the game. I mean, you can say what you will about Baker Mayfield. You can say what you will about, uh, you know, our offense. When push came to shove at the end of the game, they got it done. So you, you have to give them credit for that. But at the same time, You know, not to be the uh, glass empty, yeah. The Debbie Downer, half glass empty. I mean, we still there were many instances during this game where our coach tried to give the game away, and um, and and that's something that will not go away. I mean, he still has to, he's going to have to shake that stigma uh, of someone who is not competent enough to get this job done. And there was, you know, if anything, all this game really did was bought him another week. You know, it, bought, it kind of took the pressure off a little bit because, yes, we won the game. But anybody who does not keep on him in regards to his inability to manage a game is not doing the team any favors. I mean, he just he blew so many – there were so many boneheaded moves in that game. It was just out of control. And um, it, it almost cost us a game, which was winnable, clearly, because we won it. I will say the play calling, obviously <laughs> –
1: everybody knows about the red zone issues and the goal to go situations
2: do you have issues with the play calling down there or was it a lack of execution i have issues with the play calling i I mean when when it's uh, a lot of times didn't have the right personnel in you've got this uh you've got hunt back yet he you know a couple of the times he was on the sideline it's like hey listen if if you need one yard I, I've always been told, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, the move is to put your best people out on the field to get that <laughs> one yard. And, and you know, to see Hunt on the sideline or, or to see Chubb on the sideline when we just need one yard, it makes no sense to me. When we need one yard and we have Hunt and we have Chubb, to see us passing the ball makes no sense to me. So, yeah, in that regard, I think a lot of it was just blown play calling. I, I mean, we... I don't know it it and, and you know, I, I guess I'm not alone because I heard the entire stadium basically moaning <laughs> <laughs> all at the same time after we'd run the plays so i if if there's sixty five thousand people that understand it's not the right thing to do, how is the head coach who's this offensive guru? how is he not getting it or or is he just so egotistical that he thinks no matter what, if he calls the play, it's gonna work? Uh, now, now we had differing opinions on what would happen when Hunt
1: came back. I thought it would, would help open up the offense, and they looked a little more lively, but realistically, 19 points is not really opening up the offense. You know, Chubb did have some holes. The running game was great to a certain extent. I mean, almost 150 yards on the ground. You can't complain about that. And Hunt opened it up in the passing game. I mean, he did have seven catches. You know, he was a multi-purpose threat. Didn't seem to take away from Chubb in any way, any substantive way, which was beneficial. What do you think of Hunt and the offense moving forward?
2: Well, I think two things. During practice this week, I think as much as we should practice, um, obviously execution on the field. I think there probably should be a, um, you know, like a mock post game interview that, 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 <laughs> that uh, we should practice that because some of the answers that are given week after week make a coach who's being accused of being incompetent look even more incompetent than he's being accused of being (laughs) and and i think you know and and i'm being serious about that the pr department really needs to work with him on hey here's how we here's some of the questions that are most likely going to be asked because they're asked every week and here are the answers we would like for you to give and you know i guess it would be up to the coach to decide whether or not he wants to sound intelligent or not but um you know at least we could say we were trying right well um, they might be they might be as a, as, a, as a former pr guy right
1: there are, <laughs> there are some things that you advise people on and they do not take that advice yeah.
2: but but <laughs> in in regards to the offense you, you know I, I look at it, it's a tale, it's a tale of two cities right you you've got the we come out of the we come out of the locker room for kickoff and we've got those scripted plays those plays they've worked on all week and they they executed them phenomenally. I mean, we just we went down the field boom boom boom. Okay. It was impressive. Yeah, once you get once you get into pay, uh, play 12 and 15 on the chart cuz I chart the plays during the game. You get to um, plays 12 15 it starts to get a little muddy. Once you get past 15, when you actually have the coach on the sideline calling the play and sending it in, it gets worse. And and if you watch the game the reason it's getting worse a lot of times is the plays are coming in super late. Like it's taking them forever to get the play in. So what that does is for a coach like Baker, who's very cerebral, I mean he can read He can read he can a be defense. There's no doubt about that. But if he gets up to the line and there's only 5 seconds or 7 seconds before the ball needs to be snapped, it does not give him the opportunity to make those reads and then make the corrections that need to be made. So what ends up happening is, and you'll see it if you watch the film. He'll come up to the line, and he's trying to move wide receivers late. So you've got guys sprinting to the other side of the field, uh, trying to get set, you know, so they can hurry up and snap the ball. Or you'll get guys that are shifting back or shifting forward because they're in the wrong spot. And because of that, we lead. We lead the league in, in pre-snap penalties. We lead the league in penalties in general, and a lot of those are procedural penalties. And a lot of that stems from the fact that we've got a guy who's who's just not ready to get a play in. And if he takes his time getting the play in, and then Baker gets it late, then it becomes a snowball domino effect. And if you have a team that's already proven that they're undisciplined in regards to those pre-snap penalties, it only makes it worse because now you are actually putting pressure on your own team by getting the play in late. And, and that needs to be cleaned up. I, I mean, how we're, we're week 10, 11, where we're at right now. <laughs> we You have to... At some point, he's got to be comfortable with that play chart that he's able to get the plays in faster than he is, I would think, at this point. That's an issue, but I think the execution, even
1: at times, has, has been an issue. And then you have, as you were talking about, the penalties that set everybody back, and I understand that some of those things, they have precipitating factors yeah. that impact them. Jarvis' Landry penalty? I thought Landry was the adult in the room. I thought if you're going to have anybody that's going to get a taunting personal foul penalty, it's not going to be Landry. Yeah. And then first touchdown, boom, what does he do? He taunts, the kick gets moved back, you miss the extra point, which could have been crucial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you explain it? Well, and, that, and, and, I mean, because you and, and just true.
2: haven't fixed any of that all season. Yeah, and, and, that, and that is coming from your – quote-unquote, senior leadership in the locker room. I mean, if, if this is one of the guys who's supposed to be the leader on your team, and this is how he chooses to act knowing that, that it was a fresh game. It's not like there was like, I get it, like if there's a beef all game and somebody's been riding you all game and, and you've just had it. This was at the start of the game. These guys, they hadn't had any contact with each other other than maybe six plays before we got in the end zone. What's your beef with this guy that you're going to get in his face? And, and take a penalty that, that could have cost us a game. I mean, every point matters when you have the record we have. Every point matters. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's the difference between that game going potentially going into overtime mm-hmm. or forcing the Bills to go for it on fourth down, which I guess the way their kicker was kicking actually maybe was beneficial mm-hmm. <laughs> from that standpoint. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com dot and at Believe Podcast, at B-L-E-A-V podcasts. Now, Tony, to circle back a little bit, how do you explain the timeout with three seconds left at the end of the third quarter? The announcers were befuddled. They thought, well, maybe the wind, they went down to the field analyst, and she's like, ah, uh, yeah, there's there's not really any wind down here, the flags weren't waving at all.
2: What was the point of burning that time out there? I don't, I don't want to speculate because I, I, you know, I don't know exactly why he did it. But I mean, in my head, when I saw it, and, and I know, you know, some of the people around me felt the same way. We we felt that he didn't have a handle on the fact that it, it was it wasn't the end of the game. It was or the end of the quarter. It was the end of the game, and and he panicked and, and called it. I, I mean that <laughs> because otherwise there's there's no. There's no other reason to call it. I mean, there's it just let the quarter run out and you know regroup. I don't know. Uh, you, you know, I, you know, it's one of those things. I just, I just don't know. I mean, th- that's one of the things I'm talking about. We have a coach <laughs> who is coaching the team that has. I, I mean, like I said, I hate being mean, but uh, I mean it, the guy is being paid for the job that he's supposed to be doing. So I guess we're not being totally pretty mean. well. Not only does he not get it, but then the explanations are just not there either after the game. I mean, if you do it and you go ahead and give a great explanation, you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that, right? But that does not happen <laughs> with yeah. him. I mean, um, I don't know. Although, on the plus
1: side, the Browns' defense actually showed up, right? You can't you can't put the two points on them, right? That's the safety. That's on, hey, they held the Bills to two touchdowns. Yeah, It's an NFL offense, as, as good or as bad as you may think that Bills team is. Hey, giving up 14 points is a sign of improvement. Yes. No? no. No. It's you know,
2: sign of improvement. I mean, I I know, and once again, I'm gonna come across as being the you know the Debbie Downer here. I, I would have liked to have seen, knowing you know going into that game, we knew that their offense wasn't gonna be anything special. I really thought this was gonna be a game where we were gonna see, um, you know, our defensive line maybe break out a little bit and and maybe force some turnovers. Um, because it it's been a while since we've you know we've won that turnover uh, battle and i just i just thought we would see more from the defense than we did it's great that we limited them to points but i think if you go back to last week's tape our preview for this game we felt that their offense wasn't going to be putting up points i yeah. mean it, you know so and there wasn't a lot there was no turnovers and there was only a couple
1: sacks but there were a lot of tackles for losses i mean so they were getting through yeah. the line of scrimmage and they really stifled a bills running game that has been pretty good
2: throughout yeah the first half of the season for that team. Yeah, No, if I, if I had to give a game ball out, yeah, I would give it to our defense before I would give it to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. They they played well enough to win, and they, they didn't put us in an opportunity to lose the game.
1: Yeah, and I would agree with that. So I think a solid performance by the defense, something that that I've been looking forward to for, for a good portion of the season, um, that there's been fits and starts, but I thought almost across the board, this was a solid performance by the defense. I mean, and Josh Allen, some of the throws he made can't be made by too many other quarterbacks. Not that he's an exceptional quarterback, but he has a cannon for an arm that if anybody else is trying some of those passes, they're not getting there. He did miss some open guys, but I think on the whole, uh, the defense did a great job. Yeah,
2: and, and I guess if I, had to, if I had to call for anything uh, in, in regards to improvement, I would have liked to have seen less zone coverage. Because if you if you watch, oh yeah, uh, you know there was so much like soft, you know he was getting soft yardage, easy stuff underneath. I think he cleaned that up with man. I mean we we've got good corners, um, so go, go to man and clean that up a little bit. But but you know once again that that's something where hey I'm not sure why they went with the zone. Maybe they figured we'll, we'll let them go down the field and then we'll tighten it up once they get down. I, I don't know. I'd like to see us be a little bit more regre- aggressive in that regard moving forward. We're gonna have to be more aggressive against Pittsburgh. Um, We can't play that kind of zone, soft zone coverage against them or they'll eat us up. So
1: looking forward to that game, right? It's a Thursday night game. It's here in Cleveland. The fans should be out in full effect. The defense coming off a solid performance. The offense coming off a a pretty solid performance as well, right? Nothing crazy in the running game, I thought, was exceptional Uh, on Sunday. I'd like to see just more out of Baker how do you think they stack up Browns offense, Pittsburgh defense? How do you think we stack up offensively with their defense?
2: Offensively with their defense, we, we should be fine. I mean, you know, the, the one thing we can't do is, um, I mean, and, and hopefully we'll see this by watching the film, if we're backed up to the goal line, you don't go with an empty, empty <laughs> backfield, uh, leave someone back there to block possibly. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, what we talked about earlier. Getting get the plays in early, because against that defense, they're going to be giving you a, a bunch of different looks. They're going, to, they're going to be mixing stuff up pre-snap. They're going to be moving up and back, hiding their, um, trying to hide their blitzes. The sooner you can get that play into Baker's hands, the sooner he's going to be able to take a look at what he's seeing and make a decision on what, or, or you know, at least guess what they're going to do based on all the film study. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't help to study film all week, if you don't get an opportunity in the game to apply what you've learned. Uh, And that's where getting those plays in early so he can get up to the line and assess what's there, um, that comes in handy. So I I think we stack up well. If we we run our offense the way we ran it in those first 15 plays, which I've said this time and again, (laughs) if the first 15 plays work, why not just go back to one and start all over again? Um, because we came out of we came out of the box humming, and, and I don't know, I don't know if, if if that's simplistic, but it's just, hey, at least stick to those fifteen plays, maybe. I don't know because they all we we seem to we seem to really have it together. I like the wrinkle. Uh, I really like the play where uh, where Hunt came out of the backfield. Uh, he went in motion to the right, and then they gave him that quick hit on the right, and then he um, went for you know eight nine yards yeah i mean that that was a great play that's the kind of stuff i'm expecting to see out of freddie kitchens um but but you know, we're going to need more of that um to beat pittsburgh because you're going to have to you're going to have to change things up a little bit you're going to have to do some different stuff if you just come right at them and try to muscle them up uh it's not going to work i mean we've got to move people around use all of our pieces we need to get hollywood in there first quarter I don't that's another thing we didn't mention about you know my critiques of the coach that kid has to be on the field <laughs> I mean if we got three wide receivers out there he has to be the third I, I mean he just has to be so yeah I mean if 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 all if all that goes well I think I think our offense can can outscore them but we've got we've got to do things the right way we obviously the penalties we can't have turnovers we can't have that's we know that yeah about. and I I just think It's going to be an
1: interesting matchup. I mean, I think they have pretty much an elite player at every level, right? You got T.J. Watt on the line. If you want to call him a linebacker, I guess. But we all know what he's doing, right? He's rushing. You got Devin Bush, right? And then you have Mika Fitzpatrick, which has turned out to be a great trade for them. Everybody was panning it at the beginning of the season. Oh, my God, they just gave up way a top ten pick to the Dolphins. This team has rebounded. And played exceptionally well, and I think their defense is really underrated at this point in the season. I think people thought, well, this isn't a Pittsburgh defense of old, and people are going to be able to take advantage of them. And if you look at that beginning stretch of the season, yeah, because they played three of the best teams in the NFL back-to-back-to-back. When you open at the Patriots, home against the Seahawks, and at the 49ers... That's not conducive to a great start to the season for most NFL teams. And the Steelers aren't the Steelers of old, where maybe they're not that Super Bowl favorite with the Patriots coming out of the AFC. But they're still a very solid team. I think that defense is going to be really tough. However, short week, I always give the advantage to the offense. So I think if the Browns can mix things up, especially with Hunt now in the fold, and show some things that they haven't shown yet this season, I do give them a little bit of advantage. As much as if it was a full week, I'd probably give the advantage to the Steelers' defense. But on a short week, I'm always giving the advantage to the offense. And I think the Browns' offense, if they can do some of the things that they did on Sunday against the Bills, open up that playbook a little bit there's opportunity.
2: I, th- I think Hunt becomes, he's the X-factor. He's got to have 20 touches. I would say you, you try to do 10, 10 runs, 10 passes. Uh, I mean, if you can get him 20 touches, I, th- I think you're going to be fine. Because then it, it, rele- it, it kind of relieves the pressure off of Chubb um, because now they're, they're, they've are they're they got someone else they've got to look at. They can't just be looking in the backfield for where's Chubb. They, they have to account for everybody. And if they can get the two of them in that backfield at the same time, I mean, that's where I think things really start to open up for you. And then once people start looking for for Chubb and Hunt, now all of a sudden our wide receivers should be able to run free. You know, as good as their secondary is, I don't think we they can cover all three of our guys if we have, you know, OBJ, Landry, and Higgins out there. They just, they're not that deep. No, they're not. And I'll and take it... our chances against Joe Hayden, whoever he's covering. I'll take <laughs> our chances with that. I mean, you know... I think our offense is could be an opportunity for them to to build on the positives we had, but they have to clean up those negative things. They, they like I said, they can't. That empty backs, that backfield set that led to the safety. I do, I have no idea what the thought. What was the thought process there? That was just insane. Um, I don't know. I you you know you can't have that because Pittsburgh will eat that up. What? I mean, he might be the leading scorer if you keep doing stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, he could take over a game like that. And um, so I don't know. You know, we just, as long. But if you look at our talent, talent-wise, we have no reason not to just be explosive on offense. Okay, so so let's flip it, right? Pittsburgh
1: offense versus Browns defense. You have James Conner coming back after two weeks of, of non-participation. And... What do you think is
2: going to happen in that scenario? We just have to shut him down. If you let him get loose, if he gets over a hundred yards, then you're you're in trouble. Because the thing they like to do with him is not not only are they gaining yards, getting first downs, but they'll eat up that clock. And and if we've got an explosive offense, they're going to be smart enough to know that, um, you know, the best way to counter that offense is to keep them on the bench. I mean. You know Baker and the the guys can't hurt you if they're sitting on the bench. And um, if they can establish a running game, then it's going to be a long night for us. Is he the key though, right? Because obviously his last year stats
1: were amazing. This year, the only game he's gone above fifty five yards was the last game he played against the Dolphins, and that was the Dolphins team that was still, let's say, finding itself. Uh, before their recent uh, winning streak here, he hasn't been quite as effective. I mean, he's barely averaging over three yards a carry if you remove that Dolphins game from his stat line. Is he the focus, or do we just say, hey, you know what? We're going to stop the passing attack because Juju Smith-Schuster is much more dangerous. I
2: think you can do that, but you do that at the risk of him going off, because, I mean, he hasn't played us, and, and I, hate to, I hate to be <laughs> negative, but we, are, we have not done, I mean, you know, we've done okay against the run, but we have not, there has not been a game this year where I've walked away saying that we were exceptional against the run today. I, I mean... Uh, I don't know, I thought Sunday they did a pretty mm, good job. I don't know, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. That's why I'm here, I'm the Ying deer yang. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, there but you. but I, I just think you, you, can't, you can't let him go off. If ever he's going to go off, this would be the game, and you can't let that happen. So if we can keep him to eighty, you know, eighty or less yards, um, and then put the uh, put the pressure on Schuster, I, I think then it's going to be on our secondary to cover some people okay. because our secondary hasn't really been consistent. We got it, we got healthy year.
1: people back, right, yeah. and that
2: really helped. Apparently,
1: obviously, this week against the Bills, yeah. um, I'm assuming it's going to help. I'm not like some of the folks where people are like writing off Mason Rudolph. I don't think he's performed exceptionally well, but he's played essentially league average or better quarterback. I mean, you can't ask something more from your backup quarterback than to come in, play relatively consistency. I mean, he's 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. You got Baker, who's (laughs) 9-12
2: and in those numbers on the wrong side of things. Well, after Denver, we can't write anybody off at quarterback. I mean, that's the one <laughs> lesson that we should have learned from that game, right? Uh, I mean, after that game, you can't write anybody off, and, and certainly he has more experience, obviously, coming into the game than than the quarterback in that game. So um, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting game because the, the the whole dynamic of we're we're back we're back in the limelight against too uh, again too right. There's going to be all that pressure, and I, I think this is really where. This will be that game, because I I saw a little of it still going on, which still amazes me that it was still going on. The pregame shenanigans with the guys worried about their wardrobe. And I I just, I don't, that part I don't understand. You would think by now, especially when it's happening with veterans, you think by now that would just stop. Like, I get it, you're trying to sell shoes, but sell shoes through your performance, not through, you know, in-game, not your performance pregame. And I just... It just amazes me to see how much emphasis these guys are putting into that. Because if you get there early for the game, which I encourage everyone, Thursday, get there early for the game, and watch the warm-ups. I mean, it's it's like they're filming a shoe commercial. They're not getting ready for the game. And it's just, it's a little disappointing. Maybe they are filming a shoe yeah, commercial. Yeah, it might be. I, don't know. <laughs> it, it, I mean, Nike's got the NFL
1: contract, so you never it, know what they're
2: doing. I mean, it's just, it's just disappointing that that's still going on. And then... And then you know, then when you get to the first touchdown and you see the guys that are still doing that, getting personal fouls, that's just, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. But hopefully this three-game
1: homestand can help settle some of the on-field stuff. You had the Bills at home, you got the Steelers at home, you got the Dolphins at home next, and then you, you rotate kind of on-off, home-away for the rest of the season. This could be the stretch that gets the Browns right. Tony, final prediction... Thursday, what do you got?
2: Uh, I, I hate to pick against the Browns, but I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the Browns, reluctantly. So you're going with Freddie Kitchens over Mike Tomlin. I I'm just trying to I'm just trying to be a nice guy here. I mean, and I, I love I, Coach Tomlin. <laughs> coach Tomlin yeah. was
1: the defensive backs coach when I was down in Tampa, and he was
2: an awesome individual, and he was an amazing coach. Yeah, he's, well, he's a guy, you know what, I'll be honest, I'm going to bash Pittsburgh a little bit here um, because I have a lot of friends who are Steelers fans. I I cannot understand why he is loathed so much by Steelers fans. <laughs> I mean, so many of my Steelers fans absolutely hate him, and I think he's the perfect coach because he never pushes the blame off on anybody else. When, when it's on him, it's on him. I mean, he'll, he'll take that blame. And he's just a straightforward, no-nonsense guy. He's the guy you would want coaching your team, I would think. Yet, somehow in Pittsburgh, they've got this this air about them where if they're not winning the Super Bowl every year, that somehow Mike Tomlin should be fired. But I, I think if you look at the job he's done in the past few years, especially if you look at the job, like we didn't know it until uh, Antonio Brown got let out of the cage, right? Um, <laughs> we, we didn't know how great of a job he was doing managing that team with that monster ego you know and then you got Le'Veon Bell another monster ego the the ability to get production out of those guys and have that team appear to be relatively normal (laughs) while they were on the team and now when you look at those guys when they're outside of that you know that cocoon of what is the the Steelers organization I mean come on you you've got to tip your hat to that guy I, I just don't understand how anybody could say that he's anything less than a stellar coach I mean Oh ah, you're I preaching mean, to the choir here. Yeah, you're preaching I mean to the it's but but anyhow. So back to my back to my uh, prediction. Um, I, I we'll probably miss an extra point. I got to factor that in. Um, I don't think any safeties this week. Um, so I will say Browns twenty, Steelers. I don't know. I got I gotta come up with a number. Let's just say sixteen. Sixteen. All right. So twenty to sixteen. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna change that. Twenty to nineteen.
1: It's a one point victory. Twenty to nineteen. All right. Okay. I'm going twenty three seventeen. So who are you uh, picking to win though? I'm not telling you that because <laughs> No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut here, and I'm gonna say the Browns. As I said, I I, I think on short weeks, I think the offense has the advantage. Because the defense doesn't have as much time to prepare. And if you throw a couple wrinkles in, which I think you can get in during the week. If you throw a couple of those wrinkles in, you can catch teams unprepared. And I think these are the times you take those shots. That short week, let's focus. We, we know what our base offense is. Let's execute Hopefully. that. <laughs> yeah. And then let's throw in a couple wrinkles that they're not expecting. We can exploit it. Try to pull out a, a quick victory. And, and move on with the season. And at that point, you're 4-6. and you got the Dolphins coming to town the week after that. Who are playing well. Who are playing well, but that's a, that's a good spot to be yeah. if you're moving forward with the season. As I said, I think the Browns potentially resurrected their season against the Bills. We'll find out if that holds
2: true Thursday night against the Steelers. If they
1: lose, the season's
2: over. Now, if they beat the Steelers, uh, over under on a three-year extension for Freddie? I oh mean, God! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I, if
1: they beat the Steelers, Freddie gets a three-month extension. He's he's officially allowed to finish the season as the Browns' head coach yeah. if they beat the Steelers. Three sandwich extension. If they <laughs> if they lose to the Steelers. <laughs> I'm not taking an over under on anything. I think your three sandwich. <laughs> well, well, you know, post game buffet. Take your three, Freddie. We'll see you. Have a nice. Yeah,
2: but but you know, then again, the the, the Miami comes at a good time because let's say they do lose to the Steelers and they beat Miami. I mean, it, you know, I don't know. They, they no. took two out of they no. took two out of three at home. No, because then mean, you're facing the
1: Steelers again at Pittsburgh the following week, and that's yeah. that's not going to be a win if you lose this one and the Miami game. Or even if you lose this one and win the Miami game.
2: All right. um, I'm a little bit more optimistic than you, which is uh, puts me in a weird spot. Well, you're optimistic if they lose.
1: <laughs> I'm pessimistic if they lose right. about the future. So we're uh, different sides of the same coin, I guess. All case. right. We'll leave it at All right. So we'll leave it at that for you, Browns backers. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe believe.com that's b-l-e-a-v.com and again if you enjoy the show please subscribe rate and review us on itunes spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in you can find us at believe.com b-l-e-a-v.com and at believe podcast that's at b-l-e-a-v podcast we'll talk to you soon browns backers jump check (laughs) for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile